the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. My name's Alex, I'm a member here at Belmont, and um, I'm helping us continue our series of talks we started last week called the Psalms of Christmas. In the, uh, in the run-up to Christmas, we're spending some time in the Psalms and considering the traditional Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. Uh, these Psalms were written before Jesus' birth uh, for people who had been waiting and longing for his coming for generations. In the Old Testament, as God's people waited patiently for the promised Messiah, they sang and they prayed and they listened to these words in the Psalms. So we want to give you a flavour of that in this series as we wait for Christmas. Um, we're also in our own period of waiting. In the Old Testament, they waited to, for the Messiah. We remember his arrival at Christmas, but we live in the now and not yet, the overlap of the ages as we await Jesus' second coming. Johnny, as an introduction to the series last week, talked about the purpose of the Psalms and why we as Christians still sing together. Today we'll consider our first Advent theme of hope as we uh, study Psalm 42. Um, when I was younger, there was a hymn that we sang. Uh, many of you will know it, uh, called As the Deer Pants for the Water, uh, Songs of Fellowship, number 27. Um, some of you, probably too young to remember hymn books, or using them at least. Um, anyway, it includes the lyrics... As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. It goes on and says, I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. And I, I heard it as a bit of a cheesy love song. Um, at the time, I was friends with uh, some guys. and We all thought we knew our Bibles quite well. We, we held the Bible in high regard. And one day, we, we sang that song in church, and afterwards, I, I was doing that thing uh, you, sh you shouldn't do, where you whinge about the service, uh, and, I, and I was like, oh, that song, it's a bit cheesy, isn't it? The words, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Uh, and my friend just turned to me and said, it's a psalm. And, and straight away, I replied, yeah, I know. I, I know it's a psalm. I didn't know. Uh, but, but at that point, I was committed. Now, amongst these friends, we wouldn't criticize the psalms. They're God's word. So, so I backtracked. Um, yeah, I, I know it's a psalm, and, and of course, amazing words. Uh, I, I'm just not a fan of the tune. That, that's not in the Bible, is it? I'm allowed to not like the tune. They, they said, hang on. Didn't you say the words were cheesy? I'm going to get a cup of tea. I think was my response, and, uh, and quickly escaped the conversation. So I was delighted to see the passage we're looking at today is Psalm 42, giving me a shot at redemption. Um, my younger self yeah, thought those words of the song were cheesy, but I just totally misunderstood their meaning. During our time studying Psalm 42, we'll see it's anything but a cheesy love song. I'm not intending to be negative about uh, Songs of Fellowship number 27. If as the deer is precious to you, I don't want to dampen that. It, it, it's a great song. I naively just misunderstood the meaning of the words, which we'll get onto later. 
Um, Please open your Bibles if you have one, or it might be helpful to have the passage open on your phone. Um, Let's read Psalm 42 now. For the director of music, a maskil of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan to the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say uh, to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. This is not a love song. If it is, it's anything but cheesy. Um, The heading of the psalm says, uh, for the director of music, a masculine of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were a group of priests who were tasked with singing. Uh, 2 Chronicles 20.19 says, they stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So this psalm was either uh, written by them or for them to sing. They would sing in public worship. Uh, and it says in particular, this psalm was a maskil. Um, we don't have a direct translation for the word maskil, but it comes from the Hebrew verb to make someone wise or to instruct. So this could mean that Psalm 42 is a song that instructs, which might surprise you. It doesn't read much like instructions. As we heard uh, last week from Johnny, uh, the Psalms anticipate and train us for everything that we could face in life and and show us how to talk to God. Um, Johnny mentioned this quote about the Psalms. They put their undeviating understanding of the greatness of the Lord alongside our situations so that we may have a due sense of the proportion of things. The Psalms did a lot with with human emotion. Uh, They can awake and express and even shape the emotions we have as God's people. Maybe in our culture uh, and and even our our branch of Christianity, we don't talk about emotion much. I know I probably uh, bottle up my emotions a bit. But God made us as emotional beings and the Psalms are full of emotion. Did you spot the emotion in today's Psalm? Verse three, my tears have been my food day and night. Verse six, my soul is downcast within me. Verse nine, why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? The psalmist twice says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? This is not a happy psalm. 
I thought Christmas was supposed to be joyful. Well, remember, this is an instructional psalm. We're considering the Advent theme of hope, and this psalm teaches us how to cling on to hope when life is as bad as it gets. For some of us, Christmas will be really hard. Uh, Some of you listening will be discouraged or going through immense suffering. All of us will face discouragement at some point. As Christians, how do we cling on to hope when it seems like there is none? What can we learn from Psalm 42? Well, we'll start by looking at the circumstances facing the psalmist. Um, Sometimes there are obvious circumstances making us feel hopeless. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint what's making us feel downcast. Um, We get some clues uh, about what's happening to the psalmist. Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 10. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? There is suffering upon suffering here. Uh, The details aren't clear, but obviously, outwardly, it must appear things aren't going well for the psalmist. Enemies don't taunt you, saying, where is your God now, when everything is going well? Enemies gloat, where is your God, when they've beaten you, when you've lost? The psalmist, we see, is in emotional turmoil. He's crying day and night. Um, You you know when you cry so much, you can taste your tears? He says, my tears have been my food. It could also mean he's not had much real food to eat. He's in emotional turmoil, and he's in physical pain. Verses 10, or verse 10, my bones suffer mortal agony. Mortal agony means pain preceding death. Is he fatally wounded? Is he being beaten? We, we don't know. But on top of that, he's being taunted all day long. Where is your God? Outwardly, he looks abandoned by God. We see he's unable to go to God's temple as well. He remembers how he used to go to the house of God, but, but can't do that now. He feels forgotten by God and says to God, why have you forgotten me? He feels like he's drowning. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. The picture here is of two waterfalls entering a valley, and he's at the bottom getting pummeled into the water. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Um, I don't surf, but I'm quite uh, fascinated by big wave surfing. Uh, And the biggest risk isn't necessarily uh, wiping out. It's afterwards getting stuck in the white water. You can't escape and and just get hit by wave after wave. You can only come up for air briefly uh, in between them. And sometimes your only hope of survival is, is a jet ski whizzing in and grabbing you and zooming off before the next wave hits. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. The psalmist clearly understands not just suffering, but also deep discouragement and feelings of hopelessness, feeling like God is against him. Externally, he's oppressed. Internally, he's arguably depressed. What can we learn then if this is an instructional psalm on how to fight for hope in the face of discouragement? Four things the psalmist does um, I want to highlight. The first thing is he asks God why. Uh, This is a pretty bleak psalm. I thought you could do with a picture of my dog, Teddy. Uh, This is him after a trip to the vets last week. He had to have a painful needle in his arm, and he gave us lots of sad looks afterwards, as if to say, why? 
The psalmist, in his fight for hope, cries out, why? He says uh, to God, verse 9, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning? It looks like God's forgotten him, and it feels like God's forgotten him. Maybe he's having doubts, thinking God isn't good or God isn't powerful. Otherwise, why is this happening? It's a valid question, and doubts are entirely normal for Christians. But deep down, uh, we see the psalmist knows he's not been forgotten. He says, verse 8, By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to cry out to God why Jesus does it on the cross. And it's healthy to pour out one's soul, as the psalmist says in verse 4. Pouring out your soul is basically getting in touch with your feelings, letting your emotions out. And if you cry out to God and say something you know deep down isn't theologically accurate, like, why have you forgotten me? That's okay. Deep down, you know God doesn't forget us. But if that's how you feel, it's okay to say that to God. It's biblical. If someone you know is despairing, don't nitpick their theology, jumping on anything they say that's inaccurate. Just love them and be there for them. It's okay to use words like verse 9, God, why have you forgotten me? But there's something else the psalmist does as he pours out his soul. He remembers positive experiences of God. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He's remembering positive experiences of God, specifically corporate worship experiences, which again might surprise you. Uh, Maybe in your past you've been to Christian festivals or conferences or just remember particular times of corporate sung worship where you have felt a positive experience of God. And those memories are precious to you. They're special. They can be real encounters with the living God that can preserve our faith in the future as we remember them. I hope you see the psalmist isn't just being nostalgic, remembering the good old times, thinking, oh, the music of that festival was great. In the midst of his turmoil and discouragement, he's strengthening his faith, he's holding on to hope, by remembering a real experience of God from a special time of corporate worship. Don't disregard those past experiences if you have them. They're so valuable. The third thing uh, to highlight that the psalmist does to fight for hope is he preaches to his own soul. The psalmist says in verse 5 and again verse 11, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. The psalmist isn't talking to us or God here. He's talking to himself, to his soul. Um, The late Tim Keller did a series of meditations called Trusting God in Difficult Times. He talks about Psalm 42 and the importance of self-dialogue. He says, don't listen to yourself, talk to yourself. It sounds paradoxical. Uh, But it isn't. Um, We must learn to preach truth to ourselves. Keller quotes at length uh, the Welsh minister, 
Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and his book, Spiritual Depression. In that, he says, uh, take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. He goes on to say the, the psalmist's solution is he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He asks. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Then he goes on to remind himself of who God is and what God has done and, and so on. The psalmist says, listen, soul, hope in God. Do you need to preach that to your own soul? Listen, Alex, hope in God. Listen, soul, if God is for you, who can be against you? Listen, self, he who did not spare his own, his own son but gave him up for you, how will he, will he not also, along with him, graciously give up you all things? Why, soul, are you downcast? Nothing in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's what we should learn to do, like the psalmist, preaching to our own soul. Hoping in God isn't easy. It's normal to struggle to maintain our hope in God. We must tr uh, preach truth to ourselves diligently. And the last thing I want to, to highlight the psalmist does is he thirsts for God. Verse 1 and 2, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I had the wrong picture in my head for this when I was younger. Um, I thought of uh, a deer like these ones down at Powderham. They're chilling amongst the brooks and the streams and vegetation. Maybe do a little jog, start panting, go and get a drink. Wrong deer, wrong environment. Rather than a deer at Powderham, I should have pictured a deer in the Negev desert. Almost no water, no vegetation, dehydrated uh, to the point of near death, panting for water, the only thing that can sustain it. That's the most important thing to that deer. And just consider what we already know about the psalmist and what he's going through. The thing he thirsts for above everything else is not escaping his enemies, not an end to his suffering, not healing for his pain and inner turmoil. It's not wrong to pray for those things, but the psalmist doesn't. More important than any of that, as the deer pants for water, so his soul thirsts for God to meet the living God and have fellowship with him. But did you notice the, uh, the bittersweet ending of the psalm? Verse 11. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. He's not praising God yet. And I thought it was refreshing last week. Um, Johnny said, it's okay if you don't feel up to singing in church. If because of your circumstances, you can't bring yourself to sing God's praises right now, that's okay. As long as you can say, one day I will praise him again. Not yet. Not today, but deep down, I'm still hoping in God, and one day I will praise him again. The psalmist ends not yet praising the way he wants to. He ends still fighting for hope. His request in verse 2, uh, when can I go and meet with God, isn't answered. 
a likely translation of verse 2 is also, when will I come and see the face of God? For us reading that today, we know when God made that possible. It's in the face of the baby born at Christmas. Jesus is the answer for all those who thirst to meet God, to see his face. John 14, 9, Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you thirst for God, you can meet him in Jesus. Our deepest need to meet God is fulfilled in Jesus, the baby born at Christmas. God in human form, born of a virgin, lived a selfless, sinless life of love, died for us sinners so that all who believe will have eternal life. That is, as 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When we see the face of Christ, we see the face of God. The psalmist longed to meet God. God came to meet us in Jesus. That's the hope that can sustain us through the darkest of times. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. If you're not a Christian, what do you put your hope in when things get really tough? This Christmas, I, I want you to consider, is the Christmas story just human imagination? Something we've made up to make life more bearable, so we have something to hope in? Or is the Christmas story true and we're created by God with this need for hope within us, and God has provided for our need for hope by sending his son. Put your hope in God. Hope in God is is unlike any other hope. It's not like crossing your fingers, wanting something good to happen. Hope in God is not just wishful thinking. It's believing his promises and expecting with confidence Just as God has done great things for us already, he will do great things for us in future. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Let's pray. Let's just spend some time in reflection. I don't know your circumstances this morning. Um, Maybe it was a real struggle to be here today. Uh, You didn't feel up for singing. Maybe you feel forgotten by God. Perhaps right now, all you can say to God is why? Why God? If that's you, I pray God would bless you especially today. Some of you may want to reflect on those positive experiences of God from your past. Remember those special times of corporate worship where you encountered God. Uh, Maybe the first time you raised your hands in praise or sang with tears in your eyes. Remember and be encouraged in your faith. Some of you may want to preach to yourself. Listen, soul, hope in God. You will again praise him. Don't be downcast. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Lastly, some of you may want to ask God to meet with you now, maybe for the first time. Echoing the psalmist, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. More than anything else, God, I desire fellowship with you. Come and meet me through your son, 
Jesus Christ. Let's just spend a few moments in quiet. Romans 15:13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.